Hi everyone, and welcome to MDA National's podcast on tips for writing a medico-legal report for the coroner. We're frequently contacted by members who've been asked to write a report for the coroner. I'm Jane Deacon, medico-legal advisor at MDA National and part-time GP. I help members with their medico-legal queries and assist the claims managers handle claims and complaints. I'd also like to introduce Janet Harry, who's a fellow medico-legal advisor in our claims and advisory service and a lawyer. Thanks for joining us, Janet. Hi, pleasure, Jane, and hello to everyone listening. Um, As Jane mentioned, uh, my role is a medico-legal advisor at MDA National, and in that role I will help members with all types of medico-legal inquiries, um, complaints, investigations, and medical negligence claims. I think it's worth clarifying at the beginning of this podcast that everything we say is relevant no matter where in Australia you're working. There are some jurisdictional variations in processes around the country, though. For example, in some states, doctors are asked to provide a report to the coroner and in others they are asked to do a statement. So when we refer to reports in this podcast, please just keep in mind that our comments are also applicable to statements. However, a statement is a sworn document and uh, it's even more important to get that reviewed before it's submitted. We should also mention that this is general advice only and if you're unsure about any information in the podcast or need advice that's more specific to your situation, um, we'd encourage you to call your medical indemnity insurer for uh, more specific advice. So Janet, do doctors have to write reports for the coroner and what are your top tips for a coronial report? Well, I think there's a few fundamentals to keep in mind in relation to reports or statements. Yes, doctors have a professional duty to assist the coroner and requests for information should be responded to uh, in a timely and reflective way. That said, a doctor should only write a report or a statement if they are asked to do so by the coroner. On occasions, members who have become aware of the death of a patient have contacted us asking if they should write a report for the coroner before receiving a request and our response will generally be that they should be prepared to write one if asked and we'll help them with their preparation for that, but only submit the report or statement if asked to do so. If you work in a hospital or a large health service with an internal medico-legal service, you should let them know about any request you receive because the patient will also be the responsibility of that organisation. The second thing I'd mention is that sometimes you may get an early request for a summary and a copy of records to assist the pathologist who's conducting the post-mortem. These are generally urgent requests and should be complied with immediately. You can give us a call, of course, to check the details before you comply. The next thing is that if you've been asked to write a report or statement for the coroner, it's important to keep in mind who you are writing the report or statement for. That's right. A statement for the coroner's office is different from a report that you might make for your colleagues or a referral letter or a medical summary. If a doctor is writing a report for a colleague, it's going to include all the elements involved in the patient's care and circumstances with a bit of filling in the gaps sometimes. But for a coroner's report or statement, the doctor should only include information that's within their knowledge from their own dealings with the patient. I'd usually advise that you start with the first time you either met the patient or heard about the patient, give the information from your own perspective and interactions with the patients and then stop because sometimes uh, the doctor will be caring for the patient and then they'll refer them somewhere else and then the patient will die. We advise not filling in in any gaps after your interaction with the patient finishes because the coroner will seek advice from those other doctors who are involved in the patient's care. Your report should be factual 
and only talk about your part in the patient's care. What shouldn't be in the report is speculation about the care provided by your colleagues. Sometimes you may need to fill in some information that can be taken from the medical records if you're part of a team. Yes, yes, I agree. And on a related note, if multiple doctors notes are included in a patient's records. When you're writing your report, you should speak only to your own notes and recollections and write with regard to the other doctor's notes exactly as they appear without interpreting them. I would suggest showing the other doctor whose notes you've included before submitting your statement as a professional courtesy to that other doctor. Yes, that's right. As a doctor and medico-legal advisor, I really appreciate that. Also, we think it's important to remove information about third parties that might be contained in the patient's notes from your statement to the coroner. Psychiatrist notes, for example, may contain a good deal of information about the patient's family, which shouldn't be included in the report to the coroner. I do spend a bit of time editing out content from statements members write. That would only upset involved family members or other third parties and is not really helpful to the coroner in investigating the circumstances of the person's death. That said, it's also important that your report contains all relevant information, but it's not overly clinical and uh, technical terms should be explained and abbreviations avoided. It's important to get the balance right and your medical indemnity advisor can help with that. Yes, we often suggest that doctors explain their medical terms or, or use terms which can be understood because they need to remember that the audience for the statement is generally not other doctors. Importantly, the coroner is likely to be a judge or a magistrate rather than a doctor and the, there are non-medical staff at the coroner's office and depending on the discretion of the coroner, even the patient's family may see the statement or report. So it's important to keep all of that in mind when you're writing your statement or report. Yes, let's explore that tricky boundary between documented facts and interpretation of the facts. Janet, can you give some examples of what to include in the report or, or not include? Yes, it's a good question. An example is that a doctor shouldn't write in a statement or report, I don't think anything I did contributed to the death, or I reviewed the notes and I wouldn't have done what Dr X did. Yes, you need to focus on what you did and not hypothesise or offer opinions about other clinicians' management. You need to stick to the facts. Yes, similarly, sometimes I see statements with uh, phrases such as, I think that the most likely cause of death was, um, and we would strongly recommend against including that comment from a report or statement, determining the manner and the cause of death is up for the coroner to decide with the assistance of investigative officers, including the police and the pathologist. A member recently asked us which sentence would be more appropriate. Either her chest X-ray was consistent with pneumonia, so we started antibiotics, or her chest X-ray showed biloba opacities that I thought were consistent with pneumonia. Now, either is fine, but we do recommend not using the passive voice. You want to think in terms of what you saw and did, rather than making it sound as if things just occurred. So you could say... I viewed the x-ray and as her chest x-ray appearance was consistent with pneumonia, I decided to start her on antibiotics. Um, yes, I think that's a really useful um, clarification. Thanks, Jane. Um, another suggestion or recommendation that we would have is to um, make sure that you've included sufficient information in your uh, statement or response. Sometimes the coroner will have asked specific questions and answers to those must be supplied, even if the answer is 
I do not know or I am unable to answer that question. You may need to explain why you're not able to answer a question. For example, you weren't involved in that aspect of the treatment that the coroner is querying or you weren't there at the time. But that's better than uh, not answering the question. So you need to ensure that the report or statement is comprehensive, clearly written, that it doesn't contain any superfluous information and that you would be comfortable to be cross-examined on the uh, information that you have given in that report or statement. Yes, I often hear doctors ask about how do they actually begin their statement for the coroner? I would recommend generally to start the statement with a few introductory details about yourself, such as your qualifications, where and when you obtained your qualifications, uh, your experience and your role in the workplace, including the position you were working in at the time of the events, whether you were an intern or a consultant, uh, that's all useful, relevant information. Um, you can then go on to explain your role in the patient's care. If you work in a hospital setting, it's also worth explaining uh, how the ward unit works, whether you were on call, uh, whether you were solely responsible for the patient's care or part of a, a care team. All of those details can be useful information to add. Yes, and it's critical to refer to the notes when you're preparing the report. Some hospital doctors think they need to write the whole report for the coroner, but it's usually advisable for your statement to just reflect your management, and then other doctors may be asked to write reports. On occasion, the department head, or whoever fills such a role, may be asked to provide a full summary of the patient's care. The hospital legal department then might provide a statement or a report on behalf of all staff involved in the patient's care. So you should always check with hospital administration or medico-legal unit uh, where you're sending the information and how it's going to be presented to the coroner. Yes, sometimes you'll be reporting to your internal department at the hospital rather than directly to the coroner. It's really important to keep that in mind. Um, another tip that we would have is that it is vital for you to review your own or the hospital notes uh, and not try and do anything from memory so that you're clear about the timing and se sequence of events um, and dosage of medications and details such as who might have been present at the time uh, so that the statement will be accurate. If you've been treating the patient for a long time, as their GP, for example, you don't need to go appointment by appointment in your report unless this has been specifically requested by the coroner. Generally, giving an overview of the patient's significant medical problems and their general progress and then more detail about the most recent appointments and anything else relevant to the death is the, the way to draft your report. Also, you're often asked about the medication that the patient was on and any recent changes in dosages or medication. Yes, we, we would advise that you should get advice from your medical indemnity insurer before providing a report or statement. Some doctors will find them regularly called on to provide them due to the scope of the practice or the specific populations that they regularly treat. But even doctors who are very experienced in writing for the coroner benefit from having their reports reviewed by medico-legal advisers um, and we would in always encourage members um, to have a draft of their report or statement reviewed before it is signed and sent. Yes, I'm thinking of an example when a doctor submitted a report to the coroner from memory rather than looking at the medical records. And they did that because they were no longer working at that particular practice and the coroner's request seemed quite straightforward to answer. The doctor didn't call us for advice about the report. 
and we would have ensured that they checked the records before they did that. The matter was going to inquest. The doctor got a summons to appear in court and at that point we got hold of the medical records and it turned out the doctor had gotten their patients confused and they had never actually seen the person whose death the coroner was investigating. Mm, Wow, that's a a really good example of how uh, time can be wasted and anxiety and embarrassment, which could have been avoided if the doctor had rung their medical indemnity provider for advice before they'd started work on that. On occasion, though, if you are a GP, you may find that you're being asked to write a statement or report about a patient where the treating GP is uh, unavailable and unable to be contacted So um, that's another situation where it would be really important. You can, of course, as we've mentioned earlier, write a report that's based on the records which exist at the practice, but it's another example of a situation where it would be really important to get some assistance before signing and sending off that document. Absolutely. So I think this podcast has been a good overview of the common concerns we hear from doctors about their coronial reports. I'd like to finish off by reminding doctors that they should contact their medical indemnity provider as soon as they become aware of a request for a report or statement from the coroner or an inquest into the death of one of their patients. Yes, it's often very helpful to have an early conversation with a medico-legal advisor because we can help explain the process and we can provide support, including our Doctors for Doctors service, which is a peer support service which we offer. If a doctor is unfamiliar with coronial matters, then it can be very reassuring to have some better understanding of the process and some support on the way through. For more information, members can access MDA National's updated coronial reports and death certification brochure. That lists whether a death should be reported to the coroner in each state or territory and includes tips for writing a report to the coroner, amongst other things. That can be found on our website. Another useful source are the websites for the coroner's office in each state or territory also have useful information and some good specific jurisdictional brochures which uh, anyone can access. I'd like to thank our listeners today and you, Janet, for your valuable insights and joining me here today. Oh, I enjoyed it, Jane. Thanks. I hope our listeners did too. This is an important topic and it's great to have been able to do a podcast on it. So if you have any specific questions, MDA National members can email us on advice, advice, at mdanational.com.au or call our medico-legal advisory line on 1800 111 If you haven't listened already, there's another related podcast that covers the role of the coroner and the doctor in the coronial investigation process. Thanks for listening. Bye.